0: All right, all right good morning Paul and family good okay there's a, there's grace for you guys because you're the eleven o'clock service I know we're coming back from thanksgiving I know we're coming back from break maybe it, it was a you took advantage of Black Friday, I don't know, it's not as great as it used to be. But I'm, I see some of you guys coming in here, so I'm, a, I'm gonna chalk that up to maybe you guys being a little full. I see some of you guys sitting down like nine-month pregnant women, you know, filling for the seats and unloosening your belts. So I'm gonna try this again, okay? Good morning, Paul family. Morning. Praise God, praise God. I'm excited to be here with my Paul Land family this morning. I am super honored to be here with you guys. Uh, you guys turn with me to Mark chapter 7, Mark chapter 7, Mark chapter 7, and, and I'm going to uh, go into my honors. First and foremost, uh, I want to say who I am, introduce myself. I am C.J. Lucky. I have the honor and privilege of being a youth pastor, the student pastor here at Pauline Church Such an honor and privilege to be able to serve here. I want to give glory and honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who's the head of my life. He's my way maker, my provider, my best friend. Apart from him, I can do nothing, but in him, I can do everything that he's called me to do with the grace and the strength that he's placed on my life. Secondly, I also, I want to give honor to our leaders, Pastor Kurt and First Lady Cindy and family. Can we give them a hand, praise? Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you guys. It's such an honor and privilege to be able to serve under some incredible Holy Spirit-led leaders. I love Pastor Curtin, First Lady Cindy, two incredible people, and I'm thankful that they are my pastors. I want to give honor to our pastors on staff, our ministers on staff. I also want to give honor to all of you guys, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I want to give honors to my my beautiful wife, my amazing sister-in-law. Thank you guys so much. I love you both, and I'm excited to be able to preach. For those of you guys joining us online, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you guys being here. All right. Now, Paul Ann family, I'm excited. I, I encourage you guys as I encourage the youngins that I have the honor and privilege of pastoring to pay attention with intention. Okay? Pay attention with intention. We want anointed preaching. We want anointed teaching. But it is very important that we have anointed listening as well. Okay? The thing is this, you know, I, I believe there are two things. One, I have to remind myself, CJ, you don't know it all. And two, there is still, still much to learn. Okay, I don't know it all, and there's still much to learn. And what those things do, those two things remind me that there's still much truth to discover there in Jesus Christ. All right, so pay attention with intention. All right, Mark chapter seven, we're going to talk about tradition today, but if you're taking notes, the title of my sermon is A Culture Shock. A Culture Shock, okay? Culture, background, our language, how we walk, how we talk, how we think, how we navigate, how we operate. Culture, okay? Where we come from. Culture. But I want to talk about tradition before I dive into the book of Mark. Okay, so tradition—the definition is the handing down of information, beliefs, and customs by word of mouth or by example from one generation to another generation without written instructions. Without written instructions. Now, Paul and family, talk back to me. Don't we love traditions? We love, we just love traditions. I mean, many of us, we just came off Thanksgiving. You may have a a Thanksgiving tradition with your family. We may meet at grandma's house, or grandpa's house, or at an uncle's house, or wherever you may meet, we pile into one big room, living room, and we whether you serve your food or you get up, and I don't know about you guys, we have to fix our own food, okay? It's kind of like buffet style, all right? But we have our traditions, and we have Christmas coming up. Anybody excited about Christmas this morning? You excited? Now, now, I don't know about y'all, Paula, and family. My wife say this about me often. I'm a Grinch, okay? I don't celebrate Christmas until after Thanksgiving, all right? Now, some of you guys probably had your trees up since June, okay? I'm judging you guys, all right? I'm judging y'all. I'm, I'm not trying to knock your joy, okay? I know... Some people are very excited about Christmas, but we talk about traditions and we love our traditions. So we're going to dive into the word, the book of Mark. The book of Mark, before we dive in, I love it for two main reasons, two, two main reasons. One, it, it's the word of God, but here's the first reason. I love the book of Mark because it's the shortest book in the Gospels. I don't know about you guys. I got a short attention span, okay? So it's the shortest book in the Gospel. And two, it's light on words, but it's heavy on action. If you read the book of Mark, Mark jumps right in. He doesn't talk about the genealogy of Jesus or Jesus' birth. He jumps right into Jesus' earthly ministry. John the Baptist, he jumps right into Jesus getting baptized, okay? Mark is like, hey, let's get to the good part. Okay, here we go. We're going to dive right in. Here we go. Chapter 7, Mark chapter 7. We're going to start at verse 1. Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having, to him, came together to him, having come from Jerusalem, okay? Verse 2. Now, when they saw some of his disciples eating, with, eating bread with defiled, that is, unwashed hands, they found fault. Here we go with the fault finders. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. Keep in mind that we're holding. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold. There's their word again. Pastor Kurt tells us often whenever the Bible repeats itself, make sure you pay very, very close attention. Like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Verse 5. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? The first point that I have for you guys is hands are clean, Hearts are dirty. Hands are clean. Hearts are dirty. Here we have the Pharisees, the religious leaders, coming up to Jesus from Jerusalem, make this this long trek not to hear Jesus teaching, not to sit under his teaching, but to basically pick a fight, okay, with Jesus, with the Messiah. And we have the Pharisees not liking and very angry about the fact that the disciples are eating with defiled hands, hands that are not washed before the eating of their bread. Now, I want to show you a sign, okay? I want to show you a sign. Here, you put, go ahead and put that sign up. Now, now when you guys go to restaurants, do you see this sign in the bathrooms? At least we hope so, right? At least we hope so. Now, I don't know about you guys, Polly and family. Now, again, this is something I have to check in my heart. I wash my hands, okay, after I use the restroom, but do you guys have that slight judgment when you see people walk out of the stalls without washing their hands? I mean, they just you walk out of the stall. It's like, bro, come back and wash your hands, you know? Then go and shake somebody like, oh, that is not, that is not right. But here we have the Pharisees angry at the disciples and at Jesus for the fact that they didn't wash their hands. The hand washing was a ceremonial routine for the Pharisees. And, and the thing is this, it's not so much of hygiene, okay? this is The, the Pharisees are religious leaders. They're not some health inspectors from the Department of Sanitation, okay? This is not that your mom calling, hey honey, dinner is ready, dinner is ready, make sure you wash up. This is not the table manners hygiene type of thing. They are angry because the disciples are not doing the very thing that's been passed down to them, which is the hand washing tradition. Now let me say this, there's the written Torah Okay, the written Torah, which is Genesis through Deuteronomy. If you read the earthly ministry of Jesus, Jesus quotes a lot of Deuteronomy. Okay, that's the written the written Torah, Genesis through Deuteronomy, and then you have the oral Torah, which is man's tradition and interpretation on top of the written Torah, okay? So the Jewish, in and, and Judaism, the Jewish leaders in this time, okay, in this time, they had the written law, but they would obey the oral law often above the written law. And we're gonna see this right here in this chapter in this particular passage of scripture, okay? So, now when they saw his disciples, verse 2, eat bread with defiled, that is unwashed hand, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the traditions of the elders when they when they came, excuse me, come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they receive and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, and, and couches. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk? according to the tradition of elders. Now, the Pharisees believed that traditions were more than just good ideas and these cherished beliefs. They believed their tradition was equal authority with Scripture, Paul and family. See, the thing about tradition is this, and whether we want to believe it or not and be transparent in the room, tradition have this really tight hold on us. It's really, it's, it has a grip on us, the traditions that we allow to grip us. These traditions that we allow to grip us have us in this tight hole. It governs our behavior. It changes our mindset. And the thing is, we elevate these traditions to where it becomes doctrine in our life, and that's where we get in trouble. Because then we elevate ourselves into this authority to where we get to determine what is spiritual and what is not spiritual. And then we want everybody else to follow the traditions that we have. This is what the Pharisees are doing right here in this passage of Scripture. Jesus, why are they eating? And they, they didn't even wash their hands. They didn't wash their hands before they ate. Human, our, our human nature, we love tradition. We love, absolutely love tradition. But it's easy It's easy. To obey a tradition, it's easier to obey a tradition than it is God's word. Tradition. Clean hands, but a dirty heart. These religious leaders are speaking to Jesus about the disciples. They need to wash their hands. And even as I think about that, Pauline and family, before I move further into, into the scripture we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, many of us, whether we believe it or not, you know, and, and I don't want you guys to take on the mindset that, oh, Pastor CJ is saying traditions are bad. I'm not saying traditions are bad. I'm not saying that traditions have its proper place. But traditions should be able to point us to Jesus Christ, to where we follow Jesus Christ effectively. Traditions are something that cannot save us and will not make us less sinful. But we want to make sure that not only that our hands are clean, but our hearts are clean as well. And we're going to talk about that even more as we go down and continue to read okay so here we go we're going to pick up in verse six all right he answered it to them he answered to them the disciples the disciples are eating with defiled hands they didn't wash their hands now Jesus this is Jesus response to the Pharisees he answered and said to them in verse six well did Isaiah prophesy out of you hypocrites as it is written these people this people honors me with their lips but their heart is far from me Paul and family let's stop right there let's stop right there And if you're taking notes, and I'm going to get into this soon, the next one is we've always done it this way. We've always done it this way. If you're taking notes, we've always done it this way. The second point, we we have always done it this way. Now, as, as I read this particular passage of Scripture, Jesus, his response, this elevates quickly. Jesus' response is, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He calls them hypocrites, which is an actor playing a role or somebody wearing a mask. And if we really want to be honest and transparent in the moment, I know we're on the back end and the post side of COVID, but we know what it was like to go through the pandemic and to wear masks. And if you really want to be honest and transparent, we've been wearing masks long before it was ever mandated. Mask actors playing a role. Jesus calls them hypocrites, and this is the first passage in Scripture where Jesus calls them hypocrites. And he's quoting the prophet, Old Testament prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. He's calling them hypocrites. And let's bring this home a little further. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Here we go, Pauline family. They pay their tithes, but their hearts are far from me. They serve in ministry, but their hearts are far from me. They tell other people about Jesus, but their hearts are far from me. They're so faithful in attending. Every single Sunday, they're at Wednesday night Bible study. They're serving in a small group, but their hearts are far from me. It's a heart issue. The Pharisees are so concerned about this outside religious tradition that was passed down to them from the elders, okay? They They created these rules and regulations centered around hand washing, but their tradition made it supersede the authority of Scripture. It wasn't a biblical command, This is something that was passed down to them from the elders, from man. Here we go. Their hearts are far from me. Verse seven, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of man. For laying aside the commandment of washing of pitchers, cups, and many other things. And he said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. You may keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your mother and your father, excuse me, your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. That's verse 10, verse 11. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you may have received from me is Corban, that is a gift of God. I'm going to come back and we're going to park right there. Paul and family, let, let's, let's, let's chop it up really quickly. Here we go. So we're talking about traditions, And we have always done it this way. Many times we say that regarding our tradition where we've always done it this way. We don't really have a rhyme or reason. We just always done it this way. But let me say this. We have to be mindful of that because there is a generation that's rising up Okay, God is rising up an army. He's raising up an army. This next generation, this Gen Z and then Gen Alpha that's coming after them. And for you parents and grandparents, we've always done it this way. They're going to come to you guys with questions about why you do the things you do, where you do the things you do, why it doesn't make sense to them. And you're going to have to answer that question. And the fact that you've always done it that way is not going to be sufficient enough. We've always done it this way. We're consistent at many things, Paul and family, but many of us are consistent at things that don't even matter. Don't even matter at the end of it all. In the grand scheme of things, does it point us to Jesus Christ? And talking about tradition, I want to share this really quickly. We serve a God who is constant. The Bible says he's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. Jesus is constant. He's constantly speaking. He's constantly moving. He's constantly redeeming and restoring and reconciling. We serve a God who is constant. But you know one thing about God, when it comes to his methods, Jesus' methods in Scripture, his methods are not consistent. What are you talking about, Pastor CJ? Don't you just mention that without backing it up with Scripture. We're a Holy Spirit-led church. We're a church that believe in the Bible. I love it. Yes, we are. So let me give you some scripture. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus healed Simon Peter's mom, his mother-in-law. And the Bible says she had a fever, and he took her by the hand and lifted her up, and she was healed. The Bible also says in Matthew chapter 9, the woman with the issue of blood who was bleeding for 12 years. The Bible says she had a thought, just a thought. And some of us in the room, if God just, if you just understand that it's, all it takes is one thought, that could change your life, the trajectory of your life, the direction of your life. Just one thought. The Bible says she had a thought that if I could only touch the hem of his garment, that I would be made well. I would be healed. The Bible says she was healed by her faith. Matthew chapter 9. Let's go, through, uh, let's go to Mark chapter, chapter 8. Let's go to Mark chapter 8, the blind man at Bethsaida. The Bible says that he was blind. They begged Jesus to touch him. Jesus takes this man on the outskirts of town. Jesus spits on this man's eyes, okay? I'm not spitting on any eyes this morning, Paul and family, okay? I'm not doing that. Jesus spits on his eyes. And the Bible says, Jesus asked him, What do you see? He said, I see men walking around like trees. And the Bible says that Jesus lays his hands on his eyes again. And the man was able to see, well, this was the only time in Scripture that Jesus healed in a two-step process. So what are you saying, Pastor CJ? I'm saying Jesus is constant, our God is constant, but his methods are not consistent. Even in Scripture, Jesus healed in a plethora of ways. He spoke. People would touch the hem of his garment. Told a man with a withered hand to stretch out his hand, and he was healed. Do you see what Jesus did? The, the, the variety, one, he's Jehovah Rapha, God is our healer, but two, He's showing that he's Lord, and he has the capacity to do that. We've always done it this way. You know, when I think about traditions, Paul and family, let's, let's, let's talk about us for a second. Traditions. Now, if I was outside looking in, and I wasn't familiar with Paul and, Paul Ann church, I would say Paul Ann church is a traditional church, too. What are you talking about, Pastor CJ? Let me tell you. Sunday service. There's nowhere specifically in the Bible where it tells us the time that we should meet. 9.30 and 11 o'clock are our service times. That's the majority of the times of most churches in North America, the time that we're able to meet, depending on the size of your church, where you are, 9, 9.30, 9 o'clock, 10 a.m., 11 o'clock. Why do we do that? Tradition, let's take it a step further. Or what about Sunday school? Sunday school, this is another good tradition. And I'm not saying any of these traditions are bad, okay? So, so hear me. This is another good tradition. Sunday school was started about 200 years ago to teach illiterate children, but in the process, teach, as, as they're teaching children literacy, in the process, they were teaching them the gospel. We can't even envision church without Sunday school tradition. Let me give you another one. Here's another one. Thanksgiving just, just passed last week, and saying our grace now, come on, Paulette family. Let's be honest in the moment. When we say our grace, a lot of times we, you know, depending on how hungry we are, we give that quick grace. Lord, Lord, dear heavenly Father. Lord, God is grace. God is good. Amen. Is, sometimes I don't even think we say grace. Come on. I'm, no, I'm not the only one. Some of y'all have bowed your heads and boom, it's time to eat. You know, God knows my heart. Yeah. Rushing through those prayers. But the thing is, you talk about, Tradition, if I was to invite you guys and my beautiful wife was to make a meal, prepare a meal, a nice spread for us, and you come to my house, and as we're getting ready to partake in this beautiful, wonderful, good-smelling meal, and I sit down at the table and be like, hey, Paul Land family, go ahead and dive in. You will probably look at me like I'm crazy. Why? He's a pastor at Paul Land Church. He don't pray before his meals. Understanding our Jewish roots of our faith. Most Jews don't pray until after their meal. After their meal. The meal is in front of them. They're blessed, but they give thanks after their meal. Understanding tradition. Here we go. As the Bible says in verse 10, we're picking up there. For Moses says, honor your father and mother. He who curses his father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you may have received from me is Corban. Corban. Now, Corban is a gift from God, okay, as the Bible says. So basically, you're dedicating something for the purposes of God, that it would be in service to God. So let me give you guys an example. It would be like me planning an estate, okay? So my land and my property is solely going to be used for the purpose of God. So I'm gonna. it's going to be Corban for the purpose of God. So what they would do, what the Pharisees would do in, in this time, they would say, hey, this land, these funds are for the purpose of God to further, to further the temple or whatever instead of taking care of their father and their mother. Now, most of us, when we think about the fifth commandment, we look at Ephesians 6 and 1. Ephesians 6 and 1 here. Here we go. You can throw that up on the screen, Ephesians 6 and 1. It says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And it says this, that it may be well with you and that you may live long in the earth. Young people, let me talk to you. What this is saying is this: it's not saying that when you obey and honor your parents, you're gonna to live to be 275. No, it is not saying that. It's saying when you obey and you honor your parents, that your life will have a lot of fulfillment and it will be rewarding because you're being obedient to the word of God. That's what it's saying. Now, this is what we're gonna do. Okay, to all the parents in the room, if your child, your student, your your teenager, your son, or your daughter, if they're sitting next to you, go ahead and tap them the shoulders and say, listen to Pastor CJ right here. Go ahead and tap him. Here we go. All right. Hey, to the young people, let me talk to you. Here we go. To the young people, it is very important that you obey and you honor your parents. One, because the Bible tells us to do so. The fifth commandment is the commandment with relationship. It is very important that you honor and you obey your parents. And even being obedient to God, obedience to God will always make sense to God, even when it looks like nonsense to the world. Be obedient to your parents. Your parents have been where you haven't been. Your parents have did what you haven't did. And they want to keep you guys from heartaches and headaches that you could potentially walk into. If you exercise wisdom and you listen and obey and honor your parents, they will keep you from stepping into potholes that you were going to potentially step in. But because you want to be disobedient and not honor your parents, you step into those potholes. Oh, the youth pastor coming out of me now, y'all. But hold up. Hey, to all the teenagers, now the time you tap your mom or your dad. Even if they're behind you, point at them and say, hey, listen to Pastor CJ. Yeah, listen to Pastor CJ. Parents. Parents and grandparents, here we go. Here we go. Listen to this. Moses, when he came down from Mount Sinai, now when he came down with the Ten Commandments, and he came down to the Israelites. He wasn't speaking to a student ministry. It may have been teenagers and children there, but he was speaking to mainly adults. And to the grandparents and parents in the room, you 40, 50, 35, 75, it don't matter how old you are, you are a child of somebody. You have parents, a mom, a dad, and the Bible still commands you to honor your parents. Corbin, like, oh, no, I'm I'm, going to make this excuse. I'm going to Give it this religious title and say, it, I'm going to use it for the purposes of God. When God has called me to take care of my parents, when they're in their elderly state, when they cannot take care of themselves, when they need help, when they need relief, we're still called to honor our parents, adults in the room. You may know, past C.J., you don't know my relationship. I understand boundaries, but I also understand obedience to the word of God. So that's what Corbin was, dedicated to God for the purpose of, But they would use Corbin to not take care of their mom or their dad. And this is what Jesus is talking about, one of the many things that they're doing. Verse 12, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother. Let let me say this before I move forward. This is why it's so important. It is so important. Okay, when it comes to these church traditions or these family traditions, that we understand this. I believe this to be true. Oftentimes, we are paralyzed by these church traditions that are handed down to us as interpretations of what God has said rather than what God actually said. Oh, excuse me. We're handed down to us as interpretations of what God said rather than what God actually said. Okay, man is telling us what God said rather than what God actually said in his word. This is where I believe maturity comes. Maturity comes when we do our personal investigation for ourselves by digging into God's Word and seeing for ourselves what are the traditions that should be passed down to us, what are the things that are like God, what are the things we need to be obedient and faithful to when we dig into the Word ourselves. This is why I often tell our students, when you read the Word of God, you don't just rake for leaves, you dig for gold, because it is gold in here. This is why it's important that we do our own personal investigation of these traditions you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother making the verse 13 making the word of god of no effect through your tradition which have been handed down many such things as you do Jesus was calling into question, Paul and family, one of the most fundamental and widely accepted spiritual practices of the day. Why? Because he knew the people's hearts weren't in it. The thing was this, there was a disconnect between their public life and their private life. They were so focused on the outside and worshiping God on the outside that God was concerned about the heart and that is a good segue for our last point which is enough is enough. Enough is enough. Let's, let, let, let's talk about this for a second. Let, let, me, let me come back to the teenagers real quick. To the teenagers, to the young people in the room, and even to the adults. I'm talking to you too, so don't, don't exclude yourself. You know, often we hear in our generation, in our society, this day and age, young people, we hear, oh, you know what? When it comes to your relationships, when it comes to your college choices, when it comes to these decisions that you make, you just follow your heart. Just follow your heart. Just follow. We just follow in our heart. We just follow in. We're just going to follow it, follow our heart. And it, and it, and it sounds real good. It sounds real good. Some of us have even encouraged other people, just follow your heart. But the Bible that I read in Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. Who could trust it? So, young people, if you listening, do not follow your heart. Follow Jesus Christ. Follow Jesus Christ. Proverbs 16 and 3, commit your ways unto the Lord and he will establish your steps. Commit your plans unto the Lord. Do not follow your heart. Follow Jesus Christ. We must continually be rooted. We must root ourselves in God's truth, Paul and family. We have to continue to do that. When does enough become enough? Let's take it a step further. So... I I want to bring, put this picture up on the screen. If you can throw this picture up on the screen real quick, I want you to check this out. Now, Paula and family, let me say this real quick. This is not an ultrasound. This is not a pregnancy announcement, okay? All right? (laughs) Like, oh, Pastor CJ, this is a pregnancy announcement. No, mm mm-mm, this is not a pregnancy announcement, okay? All right? That is an echocardiogram. That is not an ultrasound, all right? So the thing is this, I want you guys, I have two beautiful little girls, daughters, and I have 150 teenagers that I love dearly. I am okay on kids, okay? I am okay. But this is an echocardiogram, and what Jesus is doing in the latter part of this passage of Scripture is he's revealing hearts. He's revealing hearts, saying it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but it's what comes out of a man that defiles him. The Pharisees are so concerned on what goes inside. Jesus says that a food, the food passes through us, through our stomach, and through the sewer. And a lot of us just celebrated Thanksgiving, and a lot of food passed through our stomach, and it passed on to the sewer. But it's about defilement, what comes from our heart. The Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak, speaks those jokes that we casually throw around, those jokes. Oh, man, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. You know, there's some truth to that. What's really in your heart? Jesus is showing an echocardiogram of our hearts. He mentions murder, foolishness, pride, adultery, sexual immorality. He mentions all these things. Like, read it later in that passage of Scripture. What truly defiles a man. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. Murder. You're like, oh, Pastor CJ, man, we, we're not committing murder. Hmm. Let's talk about it. Matthew chapter 5 says this, if anyone harbors anger against his brother or calls his brother a fool, is guilty of murder. We just celebrated Thanksgiving. Last Thursday, many of us sat across tables from the drunk uncles, from the promiscuous aunts, from the lazy cousins. How many of us have said some hurtful things over this past week? You know what you said. I know what I said. Even those thoughts Let's talk about sexual immorality and adultery. You're like, oh, Pastor CJ, I'm not chasing nobody else's spouse. You very well may not. Pornography is something that we can allow in to defile us. These sexual thoughts, exploiting other people that perverts and contaminates the beautiful gift that is sexual sexuality. Among married people, husband and wife. Or let, let, let's, let's, let's go a little further. Theft. Like, oh, Pastor C.J., I'm not stealing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not hitting licks. We're not, y'all, I know, y'all don't know what hitting licks is. It's, it's stealing, okay? I'm a youth pastor. We're not stealing. We're not robbing stores. We're not doing home invasions. We're not like these viral videos of these Nike stores and these Gucci outlets taking things. You very well may not but you could be stealing time from your bosses and clients at work. You could be withholding money that you owe to the government or to God, theft, slander, let's talk about slander. Here we go. You're like, oh, Pastor CJ, I'm no, we're not gossiping about other people. No, we're not, we're not doing that. Some of us may have given some unsavory news about somebody and we disguised it as a prayer request. Or we may talk negative about somebody just to make ourselves look good. It's really easy to remove ourselves as the Bible is just this old book. No, we don't just read the Bible, the Bible reads us. Jesus is talking to us today on November 26, 2023. That's us right there. An echocardiogram, God wants us to search our hearts. You know, it, it's really easy, Paul Pauline family. Every, everybody stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet with me. Let me share this. And, and, and listen, I talk about tradition. This is a culture shock. I know service looks a little different. We, we got time. But listen, it's, the tradition is easy. Oh, let me, let me run on to the next thing. Let me get the corking pig. Let me get the angry cactus and western sky. I can get a good table, too. No, 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 no. Don't, don't miss this. You know, this is a heart check, not just a culture shock, but a heart check. And, and when I say heart, I am not. I know I showed an echocardiogram. It's not the, 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 the body organ that's, that has orders and chambers and stuff like that. I'm, I'm not talking about the actual heart that we would see in our bodies, but I'm talking about the control center that control your thoughts, those emotions, those dirty, nasty, toxic thoughts, those ugly feelings, emotions. I'm talking about that control center. You know, we could come to church faithfully, pay our tithes faithfully, serve in small groups or in ministry faithfully. We can even tell other people about Jesus Christ and call him our Lord and Savior. And still have a dirty river and stream that overflows out of our heart. Jesus says it's not what's on the outside in, it's what's on the inside out. And if we really want to be transparent and honest, because transparency is the purest form of Christianity, we get to admit that we're weak so that God can be strong. Many of us are battling with those very things right there. Those very things. Listen, holiness is not a request from God. It's a requirement. It's a requirement. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ and be effective, it's a requirement. And not only that, Talking about holy, holy living, it's not just, it's not not so much of a sign that you have more Jesus, but it's a sign that Jesus has more of you. Holy living. And I wanna talk about revival really quick, because this is, again, the heart. It's a heart issue. Tradition. We talk about revival and we throw that word around. I think we like the sound of it as followers of Christ. And I love revival. We want revival. We pray for revival. We fast for revival. Seek God that revival would take place in our land. But you know, revival does not take place, and it will not take place if hearts are not open and hearts are not willing to receive. Real revival is a matter of the heart. If a person's heart does not move and does not respond, there can be no revival. And Paul and family even when I think about our church worship team you can can come on up. I think about our, our church family. Our church on their knees is more powerful than an army that's on their feet. We can be that church, that church, but these traditions Some traditions we have to get rid of. There's been some traditions and some things that's passed down to you. There's been some things from your mother, your grandmother, your grandfather, your father that's been passed down to you. And it's that you've been told you never recover, that you will always suffer from anxiety, that you will forever be depressed, that you will never amount to nothing. There's been traditions that's been passed down to you guys. But today we are no longer holding on to those traditions. If they are not like God, appoint us to Jesus Christ, we're letting them go. Generational curses, word curses, those are real. You know, you don't have to leave out of here the same way that you came in. Some of us battling with traditions right now. Well, this is what how this it's always going to be. This is how it's always going to go. No, it does not. It does not. You make the choice. Again, the woman with the issue of blood, she had a thought that if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if you have a thought that, you know what, God, you can change the trajectory of my life today. I don't have to walk in these traditions that's been passed down to me by man, but I'm going to follow the commands of God from the word of God. Everybody, bow your heads, close your eyes, close your eyes. This is, this is, and I want, I, want, I want you to hear, hear what I'm saying. I would much rather prevent and prepare than to repent and repair and being proactive and taking the necessary steps. But even if I have to repent and repair, which is necessary, I would rather repent and repair than to live on the deep end and despair. As your heads bow, hearts are humbled, I want you to listen closely. If you're in the room and you're under the sound of my voice and you're like, Pastor CJ, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the best relationship you could ever have. You have God will bless you with many relationships, on your job, in your family, but this is the best relationship you could ever have. If you're in the room and you're under the sound of my voice and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, today can be your day. I just ask you to do one simple small act of obedience. If that's you and you want to give your life to Christ today, make him Lord and Savior today, I just ask you to raise your hand high in the sky.